0: We're ready to join Gene Shepard. I have to give, uh, Herb Gillies credit for that. He just came up with a great line, our engineering supervisor here. Herb, uh, a man who has seen much in the world of media, says, uh, weekends and charlatanism are synonymous. <laughs> Think about it. Oh, yes, uh, we just have a uh, note here from a kid who, uh, heard one of our recent epics here on the air and he said, Shepherd, he said, uh, what do you get with it for crying out loud? You're always talking about how people can't read anymore. And by the way he spelled read, R E D E. He says, for crying out loud, you're always talking about how people can't read no more. Well that's ridiculous. People don't have to read no more now that they got T V. So there you think binder, you dumb slob think. Well, uh, I'd say, All right, kid, uh, that's true. I mean, people don't have to read. They never did have to read. Maybe your choice. I can only say this, that reading, if you can't read, uh, you can find yourself in some very difficult situations at times. Reading is a help in any profession, kid, believe it or not. It's hard to, hard to tell a kid this, but it is true. Now, for example, let's say you decide that you're going to go into uh, the uh, car stealing business, Right? Well, now, how are you going to tell uh, what car you're stealing if you can't read, you know, what it says on the hubcap? I mean, your are will be, you know, they send you out there to steal a Continental, and your are will come back with a Pontiac. And you're just, uh, you know, really dumb. And uh, so you have to... Now, if you think I'm being uh, uh, a bit uh, facetious about this kid... I'd like to uh, read to you, and I'm going to read to you, kid. Now, you just watch. See what reading will do? I can read this. Look, it, it just comes right in. You see, it's amazing. You can, those little lines on the paper there uh, come in, all them little squiggles. They actually have meaning, kid. <laughs> oh, of course, uh, that's another thing. We don't want to get into the metaphysics of meaning, do we? I mean, the capitalizer, sense, meaning. Meaning. Oh, wow. Please, uh, that, uh, that goes even beyond the new school which is a kind of a make-work school down in the village for adults that, uh, you know, wish that they were still undergrads. However, uh, we have AP here, the uh, Associated Press, writes the following from Los Angeles. Now, Los Angeles is a hotbed of illiteracy these days. If there's any city in the nation that leads in creative illiteracy, it is Los Angeles and its environs. I mean, uh, that includes Hollywood, Beverly Hills, which all... uh, In fact, in Beverly Hills, this is the virtual world center of affluent illiteracy. And uh, if you've ever had a comment from any Beverly Hills producer on a script that contains words of more than three syllables long, you will know what uh, dynamic affluent illiteracy can be. So... uh, you know, we live in a world where Dustin Hoffman is king, and Lawrence Olivier is a guy that does uh, uh, Instamath uh, <laughs> commercials for films. Now, you've seen him too. it. It's so sad. Well, nevertheless, here is Los Angeles. Now, you want to know what the, what reading can do for you, kid? Well, after failing to open a safe at a car dealership last weekend, this guy's trying to open a safe, you know. And uh, what is it, my illiterate friends, do they call safe crackers in the world of uh, of the criminal. I mean, you know, a pickpocket is a dip, right? You heard the expression a dip. Well what is a safe cracker? Well a safe cracker is a yeg. Newspapers call them that. I've never never heard anybody actually call a safe cracker a yeg except newspaper writers. You know they always say yeg, a uh, crack safe. Uh, and, I, and I can guarantee you no, uh, no safecracker ever calls another safe cracker a yegg. <laughs> I mean, that's a newspaper phrase. I don't know where it started. I don't know. They always call them yeggs. Y-E-double-G. Now, you see, this is the kind of thing you learn when you know how to read. Ridiculous? Right, kid. Useless? Yes. But it fills up a moment while you're waiting for Kojak to come on, to contemplate these more uh, arcane ideas and thoughts. You know, after... After uh, Cannon leaves and Kojak is coming on, and you're sitting there in the middle of a uh, <laughs> Jolly Green Giant commercial, and you want to keep your mind occupied. All right, anyway, it says, uh, After failing to open a safe at a car dealership last weekend, the burglar, after hours of work, finally gave up, apparently. Just finally gave up, you know, and his busted drills all over the place, and he left the old... Dynamite caps and stuff, and he was mad. Just didn't do it. The only thing wrong with it was that there was a sign on the safe, and the sign gave the safe's combination. Because this is the combination of the safe: thirty-four right, seventeen left, two right, three left, double zero right, and pull open the knob. Apparently, he couldn't read. Now you see, kid? Also, the same sign said, We are giving you the combination of the safe because there's absolutely nothing in this damn safe. So he spent the whole night. And once again, the annals of crime prove what? All right, everybody, let's dance. <laughs> Who used to laugh like that? <laughs> who rich little no sydney <laughs> green street for god's sakes yeah I mean, you remember a couple of uh, semesters ago when uh, this guy was going all over doing sydney green street imitations in the commercials and he was sitting around there speaking of uh oh well now no wait a minute just a minute uh uh, if you think that uh, if you think that reading is uh, is you know going that way do you know that uh, recently a very important poll I want you to listen to this now this is an this is an important note right here important note important note a doctor you know one of these uh, official psychological type doctors not an MD doctor well no not like a medical center doctor you know that guy in the medical center there that walks around and looks worried all the time Have you noticed that hospitals never have the names of hospitals on TV like they really have in real life? They always have names like uh, General Medical Center or Medical Center General, names like that. Well, one of my favorite hospital names is a hospital upstate in New York, the Millard Fillmore Hospital. You ever heard of it? (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a great name for a hospital. And, and I'll bet if somebody had that name for a hospital on TV, no one would believe there's a hospital named Millard Fillmore. It's like the Franklin W. Pierce drive-in. Who was Franklin Pierce? Well, all right, listen to this now. Just a minute. If, if you like to keep up with your life, friends, this official doctor type uh, conducted a survey recently, a study, actually, a study survey, He had a whole group, a control group of youngsters, age 1 to 6. This was in Farmville, Virginia. And his survey turns out, now listen to this, that 44% of the kids that he talked to, that he surveyed, between the ages of 1 and 6, and it was a large group, 44% of the kids that he talked to preferred TV to their father. <laughs> you didn't expect that, did you? Well, that's right. I mean, he went around. And he asked him questions like, "If you had to give up one kid, one now, 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 think about it. Uh, sit down with you. Now, think about it, kid. If you had to give up either television or your father, which would you give up?" Well, there was no question in 44 percent of the kids' minds. But let us face it; on the other hand, 54 percent of the kids were undecided. So, would you please, uh, if you will, uh, we would like to salute the kids of Farmville, West Virginia, who are just carrying on in the great American tradition of media over (laughs) all us. You're fine, that's your mind, keeps you wordy You can always your feet. <laughs> that's consistent. the worst sound on the record I've heard. <laughs> oh, that's great. We uh, reset that Ed. We just got to use that again. That's a salute uh, to the way it's going. Although, I'll tell you, uh, uh, underneath it all, uh, you know, underneath it all, it's uh, it's pretty obvious that uh, if any of us uh, in our own right mind were to actually be asked questions, do you, you know, real serious questions. When you're six, you, you admit things. See, When you're between one and six, this is the age when kids actually tell the total truth. It's only later. Maturity, of course, is a, uh, another term for a long, drawn-out process of beginning to slowly decide what the world perceives as truth and then giving it to them. And when you can finally give the world total truth as the world perceives it, you are totally mature. I mean, we'll uh, let you uh, give you a couple of moments there while you're writing that down in your notebooks. This will appear on the exam, however. So I just warned you that. So I'll repeat that. Maturity consists basically of a long process whereby an individual learns to reflect the truth that the world perceives as truth rather than the truth that is. Does it fit pretty good? Now you can't escape it. You think that you can grow up you, the only way you could escape it would be by having uh, what could be called really a case of total retardation of the uh, some kind of juices in the head, so that by the time you grow up to be 107, you're still one year old in your brain. You still keep. <laughs> so, so you know it's not very good. Uh, you know you have to make your choice. So uh, if 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 I were to come up to you right now, I want you to listen carefully to this. You 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 you, you Ollie, now listen carefully. If I were to look you right in the eye and say, All right now, Al, which this is a hypothetical person, let's like, no, 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 that's too real. Let's take a, a name uh, like uh, Stanley, which is an early Aztec name. So if I went up and I said to this person, All right, Stan, I want you to be honest about it. Absolutely, totally honest. This will not be reported to any government bureau. This will not get back to the authorities. In fact, I will instantly forget it the minute you tell me your answer. How's that, huh? Stanley, if you had your choice, if you had to choose between your wife Emily and the Mets. Who would you choose? Now, now wait a minute, I have to rephrase that so that you understand what I mean, Stanley. Now I know automatically you're going to say, oh, i don't be a stoop, Emily, of course. Now wait a minute now. If you were able to make this choice with no repercussions and if in addition to that it was an absolute choice and we're speaking hypothetically because no one's going to back you up to the wall and make you choose the Mets and lovable Tom Seaver the Terrific over nice little roly-poly Emily nobody's going to make you do that now just between you and me if you had to give one up totally, for the rest of your life. Do you realize that you would never once again ever be allowed to listen to the Mets in a World Series? Better think carefully about that, Stan. You've heard everything that Emily's ever going to tell you. You heard that the first 12 minutes, you knew her. continuing, unfolding, vast, panoramic drama of human thrills of victory and defeat, a saga of aspirations and defeat and great moments of tremendous drama. you got to give this up your entire life. Better think about it, Stanley. I won't press you to the wall to get the answer today while we're sitting here eating our Twinkies, I want you to think about it. This is WOR New York. I say it again, Stanley. It is WOR New York. Hey, uh, 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 before we go any further here, I'd like to... uh, uh, This is probably going to bug a lot of you, but... uh, Well, no, I don't think so, really. Uh, uh, Are you a student of and a fan of the highly publicized and heavily endowed fund to promote and move forward with investigations of things that everybody knew before anyway (laughs) well you hear these things all the time and there's always some girl reporter announcing it with such great seriousness Uh, a girl with three names uh, Jane Tillman Irving or somebody like that will say, It was announced today at the University of Chicago that a 17 year report, which compiled thousands of case histories, have proved conclusively that people with low incomes and low IQs and little learning know less about nutrition than other members of the society. Did you hear that one? <laughs> Who are the docs that get themselves involved in a lifetime study to, to actually determine scientifically that if you jump out of a ten-story building, you will get hurt? And it was determined today by a study. You know, and I and I kind of like the studies. Now, That but the the, the, the one study, though, that I, I really must say I approve of is the guy that went around and asked the uh, the six-year-olds whether they preferred uh, TV to their father. Now, that's not quite... <laughs> <laughs> that one has meaning, you know, and uh, it came right out. Now the other day there was another s- uh, survey, again uh, of one of these ladies that are always reporting from uh, places like uh, uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, on the, you know the All News Radio. And now from Cambridge, Massachusetts, here is Jane Willis Waternaby. Uh, here is Miss Waternaby, and a report from the Scientific Bureau of Investigation, studying all serious studies. Uh, at a tremendous endowment rate. And come in, Jane. I was reported today at MIT that 17, you know, and I, and, I I was listening to this, very excited, because they had little beeps behind it, and all uh, you know, this was going to be something. And uh, she came out and said, A nationwide study today was finally concluded, and the reports came out that Americans are growing softer and less willing to fight for almost anything and any cause. Yes, Americans are growing softer in this 17-year survey of thousands of Americans of all case histories and in all social strata. It was reported today at MIT. I says where in the hell did they go to do this study? Did you hear that one that Americans are growing softer? All right, to counteract that, for those of you who think Americans are growing softer, I would like you to join me in a salute to the toughest, rottenest town in all in all of America, where you know, If you ever came into this town, you well, there are a lot of rotten towns. Did I ever tell you about the town I'm driving? I'm driving down in in the south one day, and, uh, yeah, this actually happened to me. I drive into this gas station, see, and, uh, it's down around the Everglades, and there's these little towns in the Everglades where guys have not come out and seen the light of day since the Seminole Wars, and, uh, some guys down there actually are born with webbed feet, and, uh, they have fins on their back, and, uh, I drive into this shell station, see, I drive in there, and I, and, uh, I just, uh, you know, I wheel in and I say to the guy, I said, uh, of course, when I get down below the Mason-Dixon line, I turn on my Mason-Dixon below the line accent. See, I say, fill her up, will you, buddy? And uh, so he says, how much you say? I said, fill her up. And so ding, 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 the thing starts going. See, ding, 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 and you can hear the horse flies flying around the shell pump. And, uh, you know, you can smell the, the grass growing and the cactus and the junk growing, the, the uh plantations off in the distance you could hear the sound of the reapers and the mowers and all that stuff seeing so, it's just really warm and the moss is hanging down and uh guy says where are you going yeah I'm going in I think I'm going to go in uh, tonight uh, I gave him the name of the town alright I'll tell you Copeland I said I'm going into Copeland and the guy walks around the car and he walks right up to me you say you're going into Copeland I said, yeah, I'm going to Copeland. He said, my God, don't you know it's Saturday? He said, you got a gun? I said, I just want to go to Copeland because I heard that Copeland an interesting town. My God, he said, I wouldn't go near Copeland unless I had a gun on a Saturday night. He said, guys come in to Copeland on a Saturday night just to shoot it out. Now, you never heard of that town, did you? Okay, you want to hear of even a tougher town? Uh, may I uh, please uh, uh, use a little of the sound effects here that I am so noted for? Uh. there. We are saluting tonight Mingus, Texas. I'm going to fall into my Mingus, Texas accent. We have a note here from one of our out-of-town spies who gives me the latest report on Mingus, Texas. Beer in long-necked bottles in 45-cent price tags come along with it. In this town, long neck bottles, you know the old kind of bottles with the long necks. Knuckle sandwiches are free and plentiful in this tiny town of Mingus, Texas, known as the Super Bowl of barroom brawling, Many residents blame Mingus's reputation on weekenders who come into town just to pick fights with the local cowboys and oil field workers. But fistfights in Mingus, Texas, have been a favorite pastime since the turn of the century. When uh, Mingus offered dry cowboys and farmhands the only beer and the only whiskey to be found in a 40-mile radius... And they just come crowding in there every Saturday night to lap it up. And I quote here, Well, we most generally fill the jail up every Saturday night, usually by about 8.30, said uh, Clarence Bearden. Bearden operates the uh, town's only uh, gas station, and he has served as the city marshal now for over 30 years. When the sun goes down, Bearden, that's Mr. Bearden, of course, Bearden trades his Texaco star for a real badge hangs his badge right on that on that shirt of his, and he drops by Jones's place, an 80-year saloon, 80 years old, noted all over that part of Texas for its cold beer and mean tempers. Rex Jones pointed to a bullet hole in a front window. It was the parting shot of a recent customer. The trio dance hall is considered the hands-down winner for the size and enthusiasm of its skirmishes. Well, I remember a fight down there last Christmas. Yeah, last Christmas Eve. My God, it was Christmas. I'll never forget they had all them colored lights hanging out there in front. It's Christmas Eve. When half the people in the place, there must have been 200 people in there, half the people in the place just lined up were punching at each other hitting each other in the mouth he said they fought up there right by the bandstand they just got swinging and he said they just kept swinging for three hours straight my god we were carting them out of here by their cord full he said I'll tell you this one good thing about this town mostly it's fists that's the code of the west you know no guns unless they can get to their pickup truck fast enough to get one where we figured out here it's almost always fist unless a guy can get out there and get into his pickup truck and come back with shotgun. But by that time, generally the other guys cleared out. Mingus has only three hundred and seventy-three residents. But the population triples on Saturday night when outsiders from Fort Worth, seventy miles away, and from the ranch lands throughout Palo Pinto County come to drink, to dance, and to fight. What does that phrase mean, Palo, P-A-L-O? Come on, you Spanish students. Palo Pinto. You know what a Pinto is. Palo Pinto County. I've seen a lot of fellas who just come into this place and start agitating a fight. And then when it gets started, they stand off and watch. All right, wherever thus. Why are there so many saloon brawls in Mingus, one may ask? Well, I'll tell you this is the marshal speaking again I'll tell you what we got here is ranchers and they ain't like the ones you see in the movies these are just plum mean we got ranchers we got oil hands we got cowboys we got cedar hackers. Now, what's a cedar hacker? Cedar hacker's a guy that goes off in the woods and hacks cedar all week long. And you've been hacking cedar all week long. You're in a mean temper. You get all them little splinters in your fingernails, they come in here, they start drinking like hell, and the next thing you know, they're fighting the ranch hands. And the ranch hands are fighting, what are they fighting? The oil field men. And they all stick together, I'll tell you that. And uh, he says, uh, some blame the heat. It's always hot in Mingus, Texas. Some blame the landscape. We again quote the marshal. Well, i tell you. There just ain't nothing to see around Mingus. You can drive 50 miles in any direction. All you see is a couple of rocks. In fact, sometimes you'll drive 20 miles just to look at the rock. It's a little rock. It's only about three feet around. People go and look at it. And then they drive back... Nothing but gravel roads, dust, and sand around here. So ain't much to see. And not only that, you got to understand here in Mingus, we don't get no TV. In fact, the only TV set that's down here, you know, down at the jailhouse, we've got that TV set. we got a 275-foot antenna, and all we get on it is ghosts. After all, we's over 150 miles from the nearest television station, and only when the wind's right do we get a few ghosts and nobody can tell what's on there. There ain't nothing to see around here and of course in the winter time when the cold spell sets in it may drop down to 90 so when you got the landscape looking like it does and you got the heat looking like it does ain't much else to do but to fight really so i seen fellas that just come for miles here just come for miles just to do it just to fight You know, there's not a lot of law and order around here. After all, I'm the only man here. And I don't mind a fight myself once in a while. We're quoting the marshal here, who was six feet five and weighs 240 pounds. And once had a tryout with the Houston Oilers. He says, you know, there's one fellow I'd like to tell you. For example, he got arrested for fighting. We took him over to the old jail down at Strawn which is right down the road here, town down the road, they had jail there. He says, his buddies got so bugged, they got a crowbar, and they went over, and they just crowbarred the door open and, and got him out and kept him out all night. And at 5 a.m., they took him back over, and they dropped him off at the jail again after four more fistfights. Now, that's the kind of law and order we got around here. So if you're driving some night through Minka's, We have one more comment by an expert brawler who has this line. He does not wish to be identified. He says, I've been in 30 states. I fought my way through bars, through Alaska, through Hawaii, through hell holes like East Chicago, Indiana. I've been there. Phoenix, Texas. I've been down in Alabama. And I want to tell you Mingus is the only town I'm afraid to go into on a Saturday night. I stay out of town. I just don't leave Fort Worth. I don't go near Mingus on a Saturday night. In fact, that town is so tough, that word just don't describe it. Something electric about it. You drive into town and you just feel it. And you begin to feel like you want to get out of the car and fight the first guy you see walking down the street. I don't go near the town on a Saturday night. I don't know whether these uh, people at MIT that were doing this uh, serious study of whether Americans are getting soft dropped into me because, can you imagine this bunch of Harvard guys with clipboards? (laughs) Dropping by, dropping by the trio. Let me tell you a little story. I'll tell you. All right, I'll tell you. You, want, you want. I I I had a little experience like that with with uh, my television show. You know, we went around the country, Gene Shepherd's America and all that. And I was with a with a very esoteric director from Boston, who uh, you know does all the uh, public service broadcasting for Harvard and that sort of thing. And uh, he say uh, does the uh, uh, the Boston Pops and. Uh, his idea of a really tough night is Bobby Fischer, the chess player, you know, pulling a particularly brilliant move. <laughs> he calls that playing rough. Well, we're out in, in Colorado, and we're shooting a sequence. Now, I'm going to tell you a little thing that happened to me out there. These are things that never got on the show. Now, yeah, we're, we're way out in a ghost town in, in, the, in the high Rockies. We were at maybe 10,000 feet. And cold, it was cold, and the wind was blowing all the time over those canyons. And it was midsummer, It's always cold at 10,000 feet in the Rockies. And it's a kind of a bitter, mean cold. And all around us was the rubble of this long-deserted ghost town that had just disappeared around 1920 or 1922, it was gone. Just shacks tipped over on their sides and Old rusted out car bodies. There were old, uh, old like sinks in the weeds. I even found old newspapers that described old track events of 1926, believe it or not. And here was this town, nothing there, just, just the ghosts and the wind blowing through the old windows. Oh, it was bitter. And my friend was setting up the cameras. We're working away, and it's just about getting dark. And there was a gravel road that reached off down the mountain and made a big turn around a big pass. And I see a cloud of dust coming. Of course, I had my cowboy hat on. I was looking kind of mean myself, walking around with boots. And and I I, uh, I have adopted, after years of traveling all around the world, a kind of protective coloration, when in Rome always do as the Romans do. If you walk into Mingus, Texas, and you look like you're from MIT, you are in bad trouble. So when you walk into Mingus, Texas, you should look like you're from Strawn down the road. And you'll get by. A lot of people don't understand this premise. In fact, a cop friend of mine says, "Shepherd, the reason you don't get mugged when you walk around New York is you look like one of the guys that's about to do the mugging. That's called protective coloration. Okay. And so I'm standing there in this gravel road, and I see this truck coming towards me, the big cloud of dust. And it's an old World War II GI troop carrier, painted a bright orange. Now, you see that kind of stuff out there. It's an old troop truck. And you know, it's with the big iron grill in the front, an old Dodge of about 1943. And it comes roaring down the road. And these guys slew to a stop right in front of me. There are three guys sitting in this truck. And the, and the guy looks out, and he's got the big lantern jaw and the beetling brows of a Colorado ranch hand from way back in the weeds. He looks out and he says, What the hell are you guys doing? And I turned to him with my hat pulled low, and I said, What the hell does it look like we're doing? It looks like you're making a TV show up here in the woods. I said, you got it, buddy. We're making a television show. What the hell is it to you? He said, by God, you talk like a real person. He said, hey, how about coming down to the dance in Crumple Creek tonight, huh? I'll be down there. Me and Ernie and Fred here be down there at Crumple Creek. And I said, okay, we'll be in the dance. He said, by God, watch me put this thing in reverse. You never see nothing like this. It's got a four-wheel drive forward, and it's got two gears in reverse. Watch this. And he starts to roll right back up the hill in reverse. Rawr! the truck goes up a sheer cliff. And, of course, my friend, the esoteric Boston director is looking shocked. He can't believe what he's seeing. At which point the guy says, You guys come down to the dance. We'll see you at the dance tonight. Me and Ernie and Fred will be at the dance. And if you get in any trouble, you just give a yell for me. My name is Joe. You just holler, Joe from the Texaco station, right? And I said, Okay, Joe. At that, his hand came out of the window. His truck is going, Ow, oh, ow, oh, ow, oh, ow, oh. backwards, That Ow, ow, oh, oh, oh. And he has in his hand a Colt 45, pointed at the sky. My friend gets, his face gets as white as a sheep. At that point, my friend shoots the gun up in the air. pow, 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 pow. That's a full clip. Just don't forget to call for Joe from the Texaco station. Wow! Away he goes. Well, it's little things like that that blow all surveys to hell and gone. You don't think if you came up to that guy with a clipboard and asked him about whether America's getting soft and spends his time watching Kojak, that you'd get a straight answer from him, do you? Anybody any country out there that thinks that America has grown into a generation of noodles soaked in soft gravy ready to be sopped up by any power that does not understand the American spirit. Don't make the same mistake Hitler made. He too thought Americans were soft. My God there will always be a Mingus next year. And there will always be Joe with a Texaco flag on his truck. Pow, 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 see you tonight in the uh, <sighs> This is WOR New York. Yeah. Stay tuned for In Conversation. <laughs> WOR.